Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Tales from the Gemini. As I walk down the streets on Indianapolis. Market Street, that's where I work. <laughs> thank you so much. Welcome to Tales from a Gemini. It's BT. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you for the, man, we're getting there with subscribers and people DM me with the messages. And I mean, I thank you so much. This is a labor of love for me. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. So thank you, everybody, for enjoying what I do. And it seems like it's all racers and everything. And But it's pretty much everybody. Like the Dean, the Dean, uh, Dean Edwards, I like that interview, Dean, Dean, Dean Edwards. That was so much fun, man. I I just like picking people's brains and what they do and everything. This, I like this one coming up because um, it's with a, a friend of mine, but he's also, I've always wanted, I always, that relationship between, especially in athletics, you know, between a racer and the people behind the scenes, most specifically the mechanic, the, the wrench is what we call them, the wrench. And I love that because there's a, there's a symbosis. Is that even a word, a symbosis? A symbiosis, a, a synergy. How about synergy? There's a synergy that I like between, you know, because you see the racer, but you don't see behind the scenes and what they got to go through and, and how, like, uh, you know, they, they rely on each other. Like, he relies on him to get the bike ready, and he relies on him to get the most out of the bike, and I love that relationship. And I spent the best weekend, week, spent the best vacation of my life with this guy coming up, Mr. Dave Hopkins. And so I think you guys are going to enjoy him. I'm going to enjoy I had lunch with him last, uh, two weeks ago, had lunch with him actually. And the lunch, I think was an hour and a half. Cause we just kept talking. I don't think we ate the food arrived and it got cold. We just talk and the story's so great. And we laugh and we forgot to eat. I mean, that's, that's how interesting this guy is. I knew his wife before I met him and then I met him and I forgot all about his wife. So I hope you guys enjoy this, and I hope everybody's safe. I know COVID has come back. It never really left. COVID never really left, and I think it's just getting worse. Man, I don't even want to go there, but it's just getting kind of depressing, isn't it? Don't you guys think so? I mean, you guys, I'm asking you why. Don't you think so? Malik, is anybody going to answer me? You think, you think it's getting better? Uh, the death the death rate's going down, and that's what I care about. So, oh, that's beautiful. I like that kind of like the death rate's going down because I care about humanity. Thanks a lot, Malik. Wow, <laughs> my Malik comes in with the, you know what? All I care about is the death rate going down and humanity. Anyway, BT, do your show, bro. <laughs> All right, man. Let's. Uh, oh, they sent the link. Yes. All right, here we go. I love it. I know his wife made him do it. <laughs> I love it. Coming on the show now. Oh, there he goes. Here he is. He's upside down, sideways. Can we hear him? Can you hear me, Dave? Hey. What's going on, buddy? Can you turn this way? Can you turn this way? <laughs> Can you turn this way? Or we did a whole interview like this. There we go. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. It, 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 I was telling these guys, you know, like, I knew your wife before you. And then, like, we were great friends. She was in the racing. And then all of a sudden, she said, I met this guy in England, blah, blah, blah. And now I know you so much that I almost forget about her. And, and so I really do. I'm you talking to you. I know. Well, and and I'm, I'm talking to you and I go, oh, yeah, your wife, Carla. Yeah, I know her. And then so she acted like your PR person. And she's yeah. and she's like, OK, here's the email. Now asking these questions and ask. And I'm like, I think I know what to do. But she, so she's taking the role of your PR person. So I think she's that's great. Bad at all this stuff. So she takes over to stop me stressing about it. <laughs> she was great. She is you awesome. It makes life easier. <laughs> it was 
son. And first of all, and the thing that makes me not upset, but I'm going, I'm trying to get, you know, information on you, trying to do my homework. And I'm looking at, you've been in more movies than I have, and I'm training to do this. <laughs> I'm taking acting classes twice a week. And here you are, you've been in at least, I'm looking at least, what, three or four movies that I see your mug everywhere. And I'm like, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. And, the, and But that was actually the basis for having you on the show. Because I was watching with uh, The Need for Speed. The Speed is My Need. And I was watching that, and it was beautiful. And that and that's what got me to thinking, because everybody, I was telling these guys here in my studio, I was telling, like, the, I love the the, uh, the 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 synergy between the rider and the wrench because yeah. you have to you have to get the bike ready. He's got to uh, rely on you like okay, this bike is gonna be ready to go, and you got to go okay, this bike is ready. Do what you got to do, and I that's why I wanted to have you on, man, because yeah. your extensive knowledge of this. Now you started out. You're from what north northeast England, northwest England, north, and that is a rich tradition of racing. Period. Right. Yeah, well, within like five, six miles of my house, there's three world champions. Wow. You've got Neil Hodgson, you've got Carl Fogarty, you've got Alan Jackson Sr. Yeah, all within sort of six miles of where I grew up. Six miles. Mm. So it was like, so you just inherited that through osmosis, just the racing in your blood? Yeah, my dad, my dad did it before me, actually. He was, he was a mechanic in the 80s. He was a sidecar passenger racer in the 70s. Wow. Yeah, well, he was one of the crazy people that sits in the passenger seat that gets launched out on a regular basis. We were watching it. We were watching it. I was, I was t- t- yeah. watching my, uh, my, my producer, 19 years old. He knows nothing about racing. I'm trying, to get it, I'm trying to get him involved in it. And I showed him that, and he goes, what? I showed him the Isle of Man. He just went nuts, yeah. man. And to know he does it on site. How would, growing up watching your dad do that, how did that make you feel, like being around that? It's, when you're a kid, you kind of, because you grow up with it, you don't think it's any different to anything else. It's only kind of as you get older, you realize they're nuts. <laughs> You know, it's only as you get older. And then he, when, when he stopped all his racing, he did a lot of trials riding. Um, he began mechanicing, kind of as I do in the 80s, when things were very different. We were like one of the top privateers in the country. And we had a Mark One transit van and a caravan and a tent. Now, like the top privateers in the country, have two trucks, 16 members of staff, and all the rest of it. How things changed are amazing. But uh, we, we, we spent years living out of tents right up until I was about 10 or 11 years old, traveling all around the circuits, my dad working, us playing. And the circuits were my kind of play zones, play areas mm-hmm. as I was growing up. So I kind of, it was, it was never anything strange to me. It was all kind of like normal, yeah. which is kind of weird looking back at it now. And it's a privileged <laughs> era as well with all the 500 riders, especially a lot of the U.S. riders would come over. A lot of the world championship European riders were riding in England at the time. It's don't see anymore, um, unfortunately. But it was it was looking back, it was a great time. Great time. When did you realize like this isn't really normal what I'm doing? Or was it normal in, in your in cause I don't know how it was growing up in England. I just know, you know, growing up how I did, United States wise, regional. So how, but was it normal or when did you realize I think we're a little different than all the other kids? <laughs> I think it was more when I got older. And because I kind of went away from it for a little bit uh, as my dad stopped, uh, he kind of stopped in the late mid to late 90s properly. Uh, I kind of went away from it a little bit, but then I, I, I kind of got dragged back in again. I went to night school studying bike technology and I met a guy that was racing. I knew nothing. Um, I met a guy that was racing 
uh, RGV 250s. Okay. Which we kept 600 pounds we paid for them back then. <laughs> now they're like 10 grand, they're a collector's <laughs> item. Uh, it was kind of as a, I kind of came back into it. I realized it was, it was not normal for people because I was sort of 20 years old, 21 years old. Yeah. And all my buddies were going to Ibiza, getting drunk, chasing girls, doing whatever. Yes. That was their life. My life, every time I had a holiday, every weekend I had, I was away racing. And that's when you kind of you kind of stood out because you were the odd one out. Yeah. And that's got a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I'm a little bit different to the rest of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, but did, but did you like that better? Because I tell people, you know, growing up, so quote-unquote, normal, that's overrated. Because, I mean, like you said, you know, going, getting drunk and, and chasing girls, I mean, that's seriously, it's overrated because at the end of the day, what do you got? Okay, you know, you bagged a couple, you know, you shagged a couple girls. Hey, that's great. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, eh, you know, what do you got? You've got great experiences. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially as I started to go to the roads, I did I did road racing for eighteen years. Uh, I went I first went to the roads in properly in two thousand and two <laughs> with a friend of mine, and again I was kind of new to it all, very very green. Mm -hmm. And I did the Ulster Grand Prix, which was my first international, my first proper road race, and it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> why did it scare you? Weren't racing, so how did it scare you? I was like, because you stand on the start and finish line at the Ulster Grand Prix, and you're in pit lane, and it's on what's called the Flying Kilo. And the Flying Kilo is upwards of 190 mile an hour straight. Oh, my. On streets. On streets. Yeah, up in the hills outside Belfast in Northern Ireland. And I was like, yeah, this is a little bit different. But that, <laughs> that kind of drive and that love for it was born out of that. I mean, it was also the first time I ever witnessed tragedy in road racing myself. Okay. And I was stood on the grid. Um, the red flags had come out, and I was, again, new to it. I was like, this doesn't look good. And you start realizing you're looking for your rider coming back. And then when you know he comes back and you know he's safe, that's when you start looking around and going, who hasn't come back? And then you start, your brain starts ticking over. And then I remember to this day, like it was yesterday, looking across into the paddock and seeing the police car taking Paula, who was his wife. Oh. I knew then, I knew then, and I thought, ah, right, okay, this is what it's all about. And from that day, it changed me. As much as I love it, there's always the other side of it. And as you get old, you don't question it quite so much when you're younger. As you get older, you start to ask questions of it, but I still love road racing. There's no pure form of racing. In the but that, you know what? I was gone. I was on the fence about asking you about that because you know I like you know I like this to keep it light and fun. Yeah. But knowing that, and knowing you came from a road race background, and people who are watching this who know racing, they know what I'm talking about. But I'm trying to get people, like I said, my 19 year old producer over here, who's you know like a, a video game guy. I'm trying to get him involved. So you know he knows a bit about GP, and, he, and I and I saw and I showed him road racing, and I wanted to know. Like, what's that like to because you know they're doing what they want to do and they love what they want to they loving what they're yeah. doing, but that sense of loss, like you said, man, what's it like when people come back and some people go out but they don't come back? What is that like? It's it it, it it's a it's an experience I don't think like any other because you do love what you're doing. Everybody around you loves what you're doing. It's always there in the background, but you don't really talk about it um, until it happens. The difference is that when it does happen, we we develop a like a, a process of 
we we don't block it away. You talk about the person you lose, and it's something that's very uh, sort of apparent in the paddock. You talk about them, you celebrate them, you laugh about them, all the dumb things that you've done. You you don't forget about them. You you celebrate the life much more than in any other kind of sort of lifestyle. You celebrate their life, and that not only does it make you you never you never get over the loss. Mm-hmm. But you feel better about the loss, and it allows you to continue doing what you're doing, because you just look at it in a different way than what everybody else does. Main reason being, I mean, I mean, to keep things light, we have more fun road racing than any other form of racing I've ever been involved with. You have more life experience, you have more laughs, you have, you go and do one TT, which is two weeks, right? Have more experiences, and things happen, and dumb stuff, and stories, and memories than what you will have from 10 years of circuit racing. There's nothing quite like it, and there's no bigger characters you'll ever meet. What, what, makes, it so, what makes it so unique? I mean, what makes it so organic? And I want, I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm talking out of my ass here, because you've always, you've always from, from, since I've known you, said you got to get your ass over here to yeah. a TT. You got to go for, and I, and I keep going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, you know, I'm GP first, and then I'll come over there. And then, but what makes it, and I'm talking out of my ass, but I think it is, I think it's because, it's that old school, nobody really, and not that GPs like this, but it's old school. Nobody thinks they're better than anybody. Every You need help. Hey, I got this, uh, I don't know, spare exhaust, or I got a spare thing. You need it. I got it. You want it. And people helping each other. And it's like, it just seems like everybody is just on the same level. Am, am I yeah. correct in that? There's a, mate, there's a love and a camaraderie between the people in the paddock, like nothing you'll ever see. Again, it comes back to knowing where we are and what happens. Yeah. You help everybody. No matter how big your team you are, and no matter how small a team you are, you help everybody. Yeah. No matter who it is. Um, I mean, we've had, we've given parts to people. I've been in other people's awnings till all hours of the morning, helping them change engines. It does. It don't matter. That's beautiful. And, the, and to try and explain the the sort of side of it that feels different. You know, when you go to a GP. Yes. You get up in the morning. You're in a random hotel. You have breakfast, you go to the track, and that's when the experience begins. And At the TT, you get up in the morning, probably in a random hotel or a pub front if you've had a real big night. Up that are sleeping on the beach, mate, it gets out of hand. Um, but then the minute you wake up and you set foot outside, not even when you set up foot outside, you're in that hotel, you're having breakfast with people that are there to watch the races because the population of the island doubles. So everybody with you is gone to watch racing. You step foot outside your hotel, there's bikes going by. People coming to watch. All kinds of bikes, people, random stuff going on. And that happens to the minute that that road's closed car comes past wherever you're watching from. You can be sat in a hedgerow in the middle of nowhere. You'll find somebody next to you that has the same passion, is wanting to watch the racing. Or you can be in the built-up towns and you're in somebody's garden. Somebody will invite you into the garden, have a barbecue, and give you beer while you sat there. Oh, it's beautiful. You'll never win anything like it in your life. And I always say to people, you can go and watch any sport in the world, even if you're not into bikes. Go and witness the TT just once in your life, and you will never look at another sport the same the rest of your life. You'll never see anything like it. I say we do this. I say, listen, the TT needs diversity. And I, you know me, you see me doing a track day. I think, and I've got leathers, brand new leathers. I look, I look, I look sexy in my leathers. I say, I say, <laughs> I say, you become my wrench. 
we go over there and think we, we could bring some camera crews. I could do that, bro. I mean, how great would what? that be? How great would that be? <laughs> Color comes to the TT. BT at the TT. Man, I would love to see you come to the TT. I would love it because, you, the, the, I mean, you go to a GP and you get, like, your fix for, like, three or four days. Imagine yes. getting your fix for nearly 16 days. Oh, Man, I, it's unbelievable. Yeah, but I get, would, a, you, I get on people's nerves after about an hour, so they would really hate me, though. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> You would fit right in. You would love it, dude. I I look so forward. To, I mean, honestly, I mean it from the bottom. I look so forward to that, and it, I'm I'm glad you taught me through that because you know it's just I know things are different culturally and, and internationally, and I I see that. And even watching those documentaries, I think the one that got me choked up, man, was watching the Dunlap one that Liam Neeson um, yeah. narrated. We talk about the Dunlaps. His dad died on it was it a Thursday or Friday. It was Thursday night practice, 2008. I was there working. Oh, my God. And then, so the funeral was, what, that Saturday? Well, we had, what we had was the, the crash happened on Thursday night practice. Mm -hmm. And it was kept under the radar about what had happened and who, even who it was. And we knew Robert and so on and so forth. And we were actually leaving the paddock that night after finishing work. And it was a guy, it was actually a security car guard on the gate who was in tears, who actually, we were like, are you all right, man? And it was him that told us it was Robert that had passed. And it broke all of us. We turned around and walked straight back in and went back to bed. We didn't even bother going for dinner or nothing. Um, and it, they are a special, special family. I've been very lucky, very, very lucky and privileged to have known a lot of the family through the years. They are a, a very special group of people. Um, but yeah, the, the, when you watch the movie, I mean, I remember when the movie came out, and we went to, we went to watch it, and I had no idea they had the footage of Robert's crash and all this, and we went to watch it, and uh, yeah, that was pretty hard for me to watch. But yeah, the the family are, um, they are amazing. Obviously, now since then we've lost William as well. Mm. Um, it's only Michael now, um, but over the generations that I mean. This shows how much passion there is for the ra for road racing, especially in Ireland. If you look at the Dunlop family, you had Mervyn, who died, I think it was 79, who was Joey's brother-in-law. Uh, you know, Frank Kennedy, the family friend, was killed in 80. You had Joey died in 2000, and then you had Robert in 2008. And then William, the younger son of um, William, uh, Robert, a couple of years ago. There's only Michael left. They are an amazing family. They wow. are an amazing so going back to that weekend, okay, he dies on Thursday night. When they had the funeral, the, the funeral that Sunday? Another week. It was another week because Saturday we had the race. Okay. Uh, both sons of Robert rolled out on the Saturday to race. Uh, <sighs> William's bike actually gave up on the outlap, but Michael's bike didn't. Michael's bike was fine. And Michael went on to win the 250 race three days after like losing his oh dad. Oh, my God. Uh, and I, it's given me goosebumps now. Me too. I swear, I'm not, I'm not lying. I got the same thing too because the way, I mean, just the story alone, but the way Liam Neeson narrated it and watching it, dude, I'm watching it by myself in my room and I am, I got tears, bro. Yeah, yeah. It is it, to be there. I, I mean, the Northwest 200 is. I have a love hate relationship with the with the race anyway. I remember you Paris. telling me that. Yeah, I remember you telling yeah. me that. It, to be there, I mean, it's the biggest outdoor event in the UK. It's 145,000 spectators on average. Oh. And I swear to you now, 
there was not a dry eye in the place. Grown mechanics, me included, all of us around in tears when Michael came across the start finish line in first. I don't think, there's no movie, no nothing could have ever written what happened that week. And then for Michael to actually cross the line in first place, pretty much for his dad, was something else, was something else. That was something, and I don't know if, if you talked to any of the, uh, the riders in that race, was, did they feel like, I don't have a chance? I mean, during, during that race, because there's things that happen in race, or just in life, where even if you're not religious, you know there's something else going on. Like, I remember Dale, yeah. Dale, Dale Earnhardt Jr., he raced his dad's number in, a, in the, uh, the support the nationwide series. And he even said, I'm not a religious man, but he won that race in the he old did. colors. And he just goes, I remember him going, well, I'll be damned. And that's all he said. I'll be Somebody's damned. Butt. Yeah. So uh, in that race, did, did you ever talk to any of the racers and, and what they, they're feeling while they were racing him? Did they feel like I'm doing everything I can, but I can't catch him? Or did, 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 you, did you talk to any of them? Yeah, you do kind of, we, we all kind of have it. Even the mechanics, we kind of get that sensation sometimes that there's maybe something else going on. But, I mean, given that, given racing what it is, especially in Ireland, which is a very religious country, yeah, religion is kind of one of the things that isn't talk, talked about so much. And given how many people you lose in road racing, it's something that a lot of people steer away from. But, it, and, and again, you can look at it as religion or something else, but you kind of always wonder if there's somebody there. I have, a, I, had a, I lost a close friend, Mark, Mark Buckley, to racing, and there are times, especially we won the Northwest 200 in 2019, and you feel like he's there. You feel like every night on the way home from the paddock after practice, I had to pass where we lost Mark, and you kind of, um, you kind of say hi to him. You say hi, and you know he's there, and you know he's watching. Wow. It's kind of a real strange thing that we all kind of do. We have friends that have obviously lost around the island. And even the riders sometimes say, you know, we, they, they pass, and they kind of do a bit of a nod to the head because they kind of feel like somebody's there. We, we, lost, a, a, we lost a guy in the, the late 90s when I was working for the Jacksons. We... We had an incident one night during practice uh, when Carl Rennie was riding for us, and he got high-sided off the bike oh. where we lost Simon Beck in uh, I think it was 99 uh, the Jacksons lost Simon. And it's exactly the same corner, riding for the same team almost. He was riding for Honda, but he was part of the Jackson family. And when Carl hit the ground, he dragged the bike. Literally, you know you've seen GP when he drags him by the feet and he, they wrestle the bike to a R stop? Right did that on the Isle of Man course. He wrestled the bike to a stop, and there was a marshal up there, and he said, somebody's watching over you today, boy. And that's exactly where Simon lost his life in 99, and this was sort of 10 years later. Wow. So you, they all have this thing in the back of their head, like somebody's watching. Wow. And they, they still kind of, they watch over us. It's another one of those things, those, those sort of coping mechanisms that you have. They're around, and they're watching over you. Wow, man, dude, that that gets me, man. It really does. I mean, it's a whole different ball game, and I try to stay 
I know I'm the outsider looking in, and I kind of like always being that outsider looking in. But that brings me to you making my fantasy come true, which I hate saying it about another dude making my fantasy come true. But it was because you always said, you got to come to England and, and come to a race. You got to do this and that. And I think, I think at one point you were, you know what, fuck it, he's not coming. And so I don't know how. I said, you know what, I'm going over there. And I just remember I, I, I was so excited, man, to see you. Not anybody else. I, I, I knew I was going to GP for the weekend. I was like, I'm going to see Dave. I'm going to see Dave. So I land. I landed Heathrow. I rented my car. And then I had to wait for somebody to, to pass. So I didn't know which way to go. You know, I didn't want to go on the wrong side of the road. So I got my, I got my car, drove to Cadwell Park. Carla was there, but I was like, hey, Carla, but I was waiting on you. I was like, I'm going to see Dave. I'm going to see Dave. And she walked me around the, uh, the, the, the whole course, which is beautiful. And those tracks in England, anybody get a chance to go, you got to go to the track in England. They are not. Scott Redding said it best. These people are fucking nuts because there's no runoff. And I swear they're about as, as big as this, this desk right here. And I'm like, these people are fucking crazy. And I was so tired. I think Carla told you, I, I fell asleep a little bit in, in the cafeteria, but when it was over. I couldn't wait to come see you. Went to we talked for a little bit. You had to get the truck ready, so I was going. To, I was following Carla to your house. Somehow I forgot I was in England, and I end up uh, like, "Where's Carla?" And I lost your wife. And then finally, <laughs> so I finally go to your house, and for the whole week. All my fantasies came true. We, for people not listening, you got to know I'm the biggest dork in the world. You will attest to that part of that. When it comes, when it, when it comes to race, I'm the biggest dork. And you let me say, okay, we're leaving at five thirty in the morning. We're gonna go pick up the bike. We're gonna go to Alton Park, and we're gonna get Hector Barbara, former GP rider. He's gonna be our rider, and he's gonna get acclimated to the, the bike and the track. And I said, okay, five thirty in the morning. I was like, I was up at four. I think I was up at four thirty. Going, I'm going to the track with Dave. And I was up. I took a shower, and I was so ready, and I was so excited. And I literally, I never thought I would say this, but I was so excited to put leathers on another man before. <laughs> I know it's, I know it sounds like. So like an outtake from the movie from the movie Cruising with Al Pacino, but I was putting leathers on another guy, and I was so excited. I was like, I'm part of a race team, and so I just want to say thank you so much for letting my fantasies come true. Hey, you were welcome. That was a great week. We we managed to get you in. Was it was it three tracks over the week? Dude, uh, Cadwell, Alton Park, and then of course Silverstone. But and it's funny because that's the only time that's the only time I think ever that a GP took second place to hanging out with you. I think Alton Park was the best because we had that, that old that garage. And I was telling my producer, Wyatt, I said, it was great how all the other riders on track day, they were just kind of happen to stop by like, oh, hey, Hector Barbara, a MotoGP rider. Can I get a picture? You know, and I thought that was great. And we, yeah. and we hung out with him. And dude, that was the greatest weekend ever. And then I stayed with you. And then we went and rode go-karts. And then you almost got in a fight at the go-kart track. <laughs> <laughs> it was great people for people that don't listen me and you well, we always talk a little shit oh, oh, over the internet like i'm better than you blah blah, blah. and i said like, yeah whatever and we get there so i'm racing you i just want to beat you and then i didn't realize that some dude was fucking with you on the track and we get and i go ah oh, they beat me as we're going to get our time sheets you go this guy right here i'm gonna fucking punch him right now <laughs> because he kept he, he kept bumping you and you got oh, mad man. and i was like this is great. We're getting a fight. How great is this going to be? Because you got, you were. I'll just put that out there. He was a mobile chicane. And he was driving me around. I couldn't get a clean lap for that guy. He was going out. And that was how it was. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, that was a lot of fun. 
that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that a lot. Dude, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you don't realize this. I mean, all the races are competitive. But I'll tell you now, you will never meet a more competitive bunch of people than the mechanics. Always. Well, well, I know. Well, here's what I know about you, and I don't know if you knew this, that, uh, you know, uh, you have a brother. And I think, didn't Child Protective Services come to your house? Because you guys always had <laughs> bruises and broken bones. And then when they said, what's, go- uh, yeah. what, what's going on in this household? And they were going to see, like, okay, are these yeah, kids being yeah. abused? And as they come up. I think they're like next to you as you're about to jump your brother on a bicycle. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And they were like, "You guys yeah, are just we, crazy." Me and my brother, we were all. Oh my god! Me and my brother as kids. I know where this is coming from. <laughs> He's laughing not too far away. So um, yeah, me and my brother were always doing stuff as kids. We had dislocated shoulders. We broke our arms a week apart from each other. <laughs> and it's kind of like the school keeps looking at you and then like child services like we're taking a bit of notice going what are these kids getting beaten up are they getting are they getting like abused or whatever and then this child services person turns up on the driveway just as i'm jumping over my brother on my bike <laughs> like that in the middle of the driveway they just got back in the car and left <laughs> and then explained it all they're going these kids are probably being abused okay they're just being kids er, bye and they just <laughs> yeah, left. Yeah, the look on the on the face was kind of a, that that kind of said it all, and it was like slam the door, boom, got up the road, and that was the end of that. <laughs> that is so you. If people knew you, I go, it it makes sense. It just makes yeah. sense. But I but honestly, nothing made me laugh more because I was so mad that you had beaten me, and I was like, oh. But the fact that you were so mad, like you know what, I'm gonna punch this guy. <laughs> we were that getting. Guy the t- that was guy was getting it, and I and I tell you what, I, and I did beat him in the end. I, I got the fastest lap of the night. So yeah, I, well, you ain't got to brag like that. Just I mean, to remind you. well, you ain't got to hurt my feelings like that, bro. But you know, <laughs> if I if I was if I was in town in Indy when you guys came here, we were gonna go to Fast Times. We were gonna, we were gonna we it, um, do that. On my soil, on my soil, at my track. And then we would have seen, because I lost a little weight, I got a little streamlined, and I'm ready for racing. I'm ready to get that call up. I'm ready to get I'm that call. <laughs> But I, but you know what's funny? You got that mad at that guy, and I got mad that that dude made you mad. And I was like, I hope I see him as we're passing. I was going to put him into the tires because he had made yeah. you mad. And, you know, I was. I was the guy being protective over you because he made you mad. Like, okay, this is how this guy wants to do it. We'll do it that way. I remember. And, I just remember. and everybody else was there thinking, who in the hell are these pair of lunatics? Like, <laughs> we've just come for a fun night out with the family. <laughs> And luckily, luckily, Carla had bail money. I don't know how it works in England, but I think she had bail money, so I think we would have been okay. I think she was ready to be like bailing us out somewhere. I think she was. <laughs> I thought that was great, man. And it just made the whole vacation to me. Like I said, that's the only time I've ever had a GP weekend where GP was second as far as the fun goes. Because how about you week? I go it's GP weekend's always good, but man, and you guys. You guys helped me in an audition. I had an audition come in, and I drove to your yeah. hotel. And you guys, we set it up, and I did an audition in their hotel room. That's at how. Eleven thirty at night. Eleven thirty, and you're tired. Like, okay. Night, we were doing that, an audition. What the neighbors thought was going on. <laughs> I, I know. No clue. <laughs> I have genuinely no clue what they thought was going on. We got a camera. We got lights, and I and I walk in like, are they doing a? Oh my god! You know what I mean? What's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. My God, that was so much fun, man. So much fun. Now, now, as I, as I was watching, I said, getting ready and watching Speed is my need. I always want to ask you this, being, you know, getting back on track here with the with the wrench and the, and the rider. Like, I'm watching that, and I'm also thinking, I know you won the championship in 2018 with Leon. Yeah. 
Yeah. What is that like? And I always want to ask you, what is that like winning the championship? And, what, and even before that season started, did you think, yeah, I think this year is the year? Or when did it finally sit in like, I think we got a shot at this? Well, it was, we had a, a rough end to 17. Leon got hurt at Branzac. And we went testing. We, right away, we were like, we're going to make this better. We are going to, like, do this right, 18. And we went testing three and a half weeks after Leon broke his ankle, had surgery on it, broke his wrist and broke his thumb. Three and a half week, weeks later, we were testing in Jerez in Spain with him still injured, um, trying all new parts ready for 18 to make sure this doesn't happen again. We are not going to get – we're not going to be second. We're not going to be third. We are winning this in 18. And I think about halfway through 18 and we were – I was working as hard as I've ever worked in my life. And it was when I kind of got that feeling again that this is possible. This is possible. You never even admit to yourself that you're going to do it. You never do that. You don't. It's kind of another one of those little things, that look things. You don't, I'm not, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. Yeah. But it kind of, it starts getting there that we could do it. And in all reality, I don't think it was until. It was probably not even till after he'd won it, I kind of allowed myself to believe that we'd won it. Really? Because I just couldn't let myself think that way. Well, um, because of the letdown? Or, or why? Just, yeah, just because, yeah, the year before we were so, so close. Bear in mind, we went into the final round with a lead and we came out of it with a broken rider and we lost the title. Oh. It's uh, one of those things where you never, you just can't count your chickens. You yeah. just can't. Right. It's just racing, man. You know what it's like, yeah. how crazy racing can be. And that's that was a prime example. We went into it with a big lead and came out of it in, I think it was third, and with an injured rider. I, I was devastated. And it was kind of like, right, okay, 18, I'm going to make right of this. And we just went at it in such a way, worked so hard. I mean, it burnt me out. Really? Uh, as, as in how? Yeah. How did it burn you out? In what way? It burnt my, mentally and physically. I, I've never felt so exhausted after a season because my mind never sw switched off. I was down to like three or four hours sleep a night. The minute your brain kind of gets to the stage where you're semi-awake and you can be thinking about things, boom, I was awake, no matter what time of day it was, anything. And it wore me out in ways I don't think I've ever, ever been. Uh, I felt so tired by the end of it, but... Being at that, that, that last round and the way it went, it was a three-race weekend. And we could win it in the first race. Okay. So we'd be careful all weekend. Leon kept his head, head on. And he went out in the first race knowing, I think we had to be like third or fourth or something like that. And he rolled round in sixth. And he said it was the hardest thing he's ever done trying to ride round in sixth and oh. not be pushing for a lead. Right, right. And he said it was the hardest thing ever trying to do that. So, but he brought it home in six to guarantee we got the tile before we did anything else. <laughs> and he <laughs> and he did. He rolled it around. He came and he said, that was the hardest damn thing I've ever had to do in my life is roll around in sixth place and not chase for a win. He said he was crapping himself. <laughs> <laughs> so what's that feeling like for you as a, as a mechanic? What's that feeling like when you knew it was in the bag? When he crossed that trucker oh, flag? What was that feeling like? It's weird that the elation only kind of comes late. It's relief. It's like something comes out of your body. It's like it's like nothing I've ever experienced. It's 
it's the sensation of release that you've done it that you've that worry can now leave you is just like it's like nothing and you know they always say like the weight lift off the shoulders yeah. man i felt like i was eight foot tall that's beautiful you know, yeah the, the difference is unbelievable oh um, i i haven't won a championship since i was in a uh, sixth grade, I actually, I won it with the, my Paul Young football team. I was fat and I was on the line, and we won that. And there was a, there was a feeling of elation. I think because, because my, my dad knew I didn't really like playing football, and I played on the line because, un, unlike the stereotype, I'm not fast or quick. So they had put me on the line, <laughs> and so, and that's the shittiest position as a kid. So my dad would bribe me about pizza. So I knew when we won the championship, I was gonna get pizza. So yeah, I was gonna get fatter that night. So yeah, so I don't know what it's like as a grown man to achieve that goal. So. How, I mean, just how that feeling, relation of going through, like, and did you know the bike had the had the capability to get you a championship that year? The bike was so good. We worked so hard, and mm -hmm. we we only we produced it ourselves. All the work was done with that bike, within a real short distance of the workshop. But everything we did to it, all the development that we did, was all done with people we knew and local to us. The only factory part on that bike was the swing arm and the rider. Other than that. We built the thing all within driving distance of our workshop in Preston. So that was more. That was more. I guess uh, a personal feeling, knowing that you built that from the ground up, pretty much. I knew that bike, and and I always say to people that bike was the my is still my sort of greatest working achievement was that bike. I loved that bike to bits. I saw that bike more of that bike than I did of Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're gonna get it. You're gonna I get that bike. <laughs> Man, it was, and then we did it. Well, we won it on the Saturday, and then we it was a three race weekend. So Sunday, Leon went out on Sunday morning and won. A Brownsy was never a fan of, but he won the race on Sunday morning, which kind of was like, I'm big relief. I can go and do it. I can go and win a race now, which was awesome. And then for me, it came to mind that if Leon finished the final race, not only did we have the championship and 15 wins, 20-odd podiums, we had a bike that had done 100% finish record in that season. That's unbelievable. That, to me, meant everything. And I wow. sent him out. We put gold bodywork on the bike, which is always, to me, is like bad luck anyway. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> bound to get smashed off it if it's, if it's done nice bodywork. And then it's even like Rossi. If you remember when he did the Hawaiian bodywork, which became really famous yes. on the 500 yes. years, 20 years ago, he crashed. And it's like, it's the same thing. We put the gold bodywork on the championship when I thought he's bound to crash this thing with that bodywork on it. <laughs> I was terrified. But we sent him out and it rained so hard. And I think twice I saw him completely sideways and my heart's in my mouth thinking, I'm, he's going to put the thing down the road. And even Leon admitted afterwards, he said about the second time, because he knew how much that meant to me. About the second time he did it, he went, nah, I'll just finish. I'll just, I'll just finish. And he did. And we got the 100% finish record on top of the title and everything else. And it just meant everything. It, that, that was when the elation came in. That's, that was when the, oh my God, we did it. We that's did it. beautiful. That's and beautiful. Yeah, that, was the, that was the thing. It was, that, that was awesome. That meant a lot. Not really do. Now, I know you've worked with multiple riders, different riders. Like, are there some that you've been closer to than others? Or or, yeah. or when you sign on, you go, okay, and you almost become close? Or is it like you've been like, okay, me and him are, or this is strictly a business kind of thing. We come in, we get the bike. Okay, see you later. Like, who have you been the closest with? As uh, per, I'm going to say Leon, or has it? Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, the, over the years, I've worked with all different kinds of riders, and like anything in life, you, they all have different personalities and different ways of working. And I think there's some of the road racers I've worked with, uh, I've known for many, many years since Mark Miller, which is the reason I met Carla, an American rider. That's right. I remember seeing that pitch. Yes, yes. Yeah, we bumped into him at Laguna at the weekend, and he won the classic race. That was great. I did five years with Mark, and then you've got yeah, James Hillier means a lot to me. Uh, Eastie. How about Eastie? Eastie is, I love Eastie to bits. Dude. He was such a young kid when he came to us, and... I, put, I was the first guy to put him on a thousand, and then I had him riding for me at one point. Yes, and he meant he still means a lot to me, dude. I, I still love that dude. We sadly lost. He meant a lot. Um, but I think Kyle now, even uh, who I work with now here, Kyle Wyman, he is such a good kid it, on a personal level. We get on so good. Yeah, uh, and it means so much to him to try and be better and work forward. But I think, like you say, I think the Leon relationship, and not just Leon himself, but the actual family, is probably the closest I've ever allowed myself to get to a racer. And, um, and why do you say allowed yourself? Made- why do you say allowed yourself? Like, do you do you keep a, a, a specific distance because of the danger of the sport, or just that's who you are? With, yeah, there's always that little thing in your mind about people getting hurt and, and one thing or another. But I think with, with the Haslam family, it they are... They are all encompassing. They are all one goal. They are all going racing together. Everything they do is together. And you can't help but like love the family. Yeah. I mean, Ron, Anne, Ollie, the kids, the whole lot. The, it, it, you cannot help but love the family. And if the harder you work for Leon, the harder he'll work for you. And it, it did. And, and they're they're kind of a closed circle. They're not a, they're not a family that opens themselves up to a lot of people and it, it meant a lot to feel like part of the family and uh, yeah they meant the leon's about as close as i've, I've got to a, a rider with probably along with eastie and, and and co it's uh it's as close as i've as i've got now this year it's been again a family operation you've got kyle that runs his own operation and it's that same sensation that you get you know you let into the family you know, you live with the family when you're down there working on the bike and you start to get that same kind of relationship building, which is really good. Yeah. It's good to have that again. Well, uh, because that relationship with uh, with uh, with Haslam, you uh, let me get the, the, the two up with 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 Ron. And I uh, yeah. and that was so great, except for like it, here's the thing. People don't understand. There was a track day. It was a track day at the uh, Donington Race School. So I'm on the track, and already I'm geeking out because I'm on the same track with MotoGP riders race, and I'm feeling good about myself. Although I wanted to get a knee down, didn't get a knee down, but that's okay. I felt good about myself. And then you can do a two up. Say it again. But you went faster though. Despite not having a knee down, you went faster. I see exactly. I went faster. I was out feeling good about myself, and you go, hey, once you get on a two up. With Ron. Now, Ron is, what, 65? He's 65, right? Yeah, he's 65. I say, yeah, he's 65. He looks, his body looks like he's around maybe, maybe 35, maybe. He, he looks pretty and I'm 40. Yeah, well, he looks a lot better. You No offense. But, yeah, he's, he's extremely streamlined. <laughs> he looks good. So I get on the back. My fat ass gets on the back, and I hold on. And it's because of that, I now know what arm pump feels like. I go, oh, so this is what going fast is about. And we yeah. took off. And we can't show it because we're, we're, we're on a limited budget, so we can't show the video. But there, there, there's a video of me on a wheelie on the back. We're doing 100 miles an hour. He changes gears in the air. Luckily, you yeah. caught that. 
And I'm going, okay. And, that, and after a while, about three or four laps, I go, hey, man, you know, I get it. You were really good. You can just pull over anytime you want to. And I remember, <laughs> I remember him breaking and me going into him. And we're doing a stoppy. And I'm in him. And I feel like, you know, I think we're dating now. I really think we're dating now. And we did it like three or four laps. And I was scared shitless. But it was because that now I know what it takes to get to that point. And I wanted so bad to get back on, the, on my bike, the bike I had there, to go do a lap. I think I would have been faster because he showed me what it takes to do that. I literally had arm pump, but I was so excited. It was all because of you. So thank you, buddy. Except for, except for when I get off, I felt so bad because you go, I was feeling good about myself. And you go, yeah, uh, see where you turned in? Yeah, when the uh, World Superbike riders are there, they go way out there and then they come in because they're going so fast. And I was like, well, thanks for pissing on my parade there, buddy. I appreciate it. <laughs> that was a great. I, I mean, you, you, you smile a lot anyway. You're always smiling. Never. Have I seen you smile like you got off that? Yeah, you did when you got off that bike. Never, dude. Never. I was honestly, like I said, man. That and that that whole week was the greatest vacation of my entire life as a human being on this earth. That day, and you know it, because after that day, I think we went to the hotel and we we're at the bar, and I'm just, I'm so happy. I'm just like, yeah, I did good, huh, Dave? And you're like, yeah, 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 no, I did really good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were just like, yeah, man, yeah. And I'm trying to talk to that bartender, that, that pretty bartender. And you're like, you don't have a shot, Wait. dude. And <laughs> that, and I would, that was the greatest day of my life, all because of you. And thank you for that. And what I also, and what I also want to ask you this is that like, uh. Almost not to loss, but you talked about being closer to a rider. I remember the watching that high side with Leon, and when it happens, and you know Kyle had that bad weekend up in Washington at Ridgeway Raceway. Yeah. What is that feeling like for you when you see that? I saw that high side with Leon. I go, oh my god! How does that make you feel when you see that? You kind of you kind of go through varying emotions instantly, right? Because at that, day, at that point, you're there as a job. But then you just seen your buddy bounce down the road, and your first thing is, are they all right? Right. Um, once you know they're all right, it's kind of, ro- okay, right, the brain switches to work mode. You go, right, what do we need? What does it look like as damage? What can we get out ready for when the bike gets back and get the bike back out again? Um, when they get hurt, it's a very different sensation. It's kind of a... Not only do you, you kind of... The, the work side of you doesn't kick in because you know... He's not going back out again. Yeah. Um, so you, you kind of then, you kind of come on like a downer, as well as knowing the hurt, you, all that adrenaline just goes through the floor because you know you're not going to have to rush to get the bike back out. So it kind of, you, you're guided by whether they're hurt or not and what your body then tells you. You kind of, you know, the, 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 the emotions that start to come out, depending on how bad they get hurt. I mean, I had it with Leon where we had the big, big one in, Said we had one in seventeen where he broke his neck in two places. Oh, broke his and and broke his skull, fractured his skull. That was at Knock Hill, and that was real bad. But yet eight days later he was out riding. We raced at Snetterton. Eight eight days later with a broken skull. He broke his head. Dave, I can't hear you. Uh, Audio is that your in and mine? You know you. healthy um so we've always been striving to get him back out again so that that drop never happens so that adrenaline kicks in and you're like right what does it take what do we need let's get him back out again it's it's really driven by how you see your rider afterwards is he hurt is he not and then your body just goes one direction or the other 
How much stre- How much more can you put up with that? I mean, is, I know it's the love of the game, but has it got to a point where you go, I can't take this amount of stress anymore? I mean, with that. I mean, I know you love what I... I can't begin to stress these people how much you love what you do. I love what you do. Did he go up? Is that our thing? And and so, like, how much more stress can you put on your body to know, okay, enough is enough? Or this this is just what you do and you accept it? I lost a bit of sound there, buddy. Oh, oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me, Dave? Hang on. Oh, oh God. I'm just trying to find out why I can't hear you. Oh, God. Oh, God. You're all sound. I'm all sound? Can you hear me? Sound, but uh, you're just a little bit quiet for some reason. I don't can, know whether it's your end or mine. Can, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now, Dave? I can just about hear you. Oh, okay, how about, how about now? Can you hear me now? Am I, is it better now? Is it better? Is you're it, very quiet. It, oh, my God. Hold on for a second. Malik, is, is it our end or his end? Is it our end or his end? Nothing changed on our end. I think it's your end. I think it's your end. I'm maxed out. Oh, you're maxed out? You, Joys of technology. Yeah, tell Carla to get on it. She's your PR person. You tell Carla to get on it. She's your PR person. Tell her to fix it. She's going fixing it. I'll turn my Bluetooth off and everything, so I'm not connected to anything else. <laughs> I'm guessing you can hear me. I can hear you perfectly, man. I can I'm hear you perfectly. Okay, so we're good, right? We're good? You can hear me? You're very quiet, but I can hear you. Okay, see if you can hear me. I'm going to ask you a couple questions real quick. We're almost done, but I got to get... Oh, can you hear me now? You're back. Oh, Max, I'm maxed. Can you hear me? You apparently went into my father-in-law's car and just pulled up on the driveway. Are you serious? Are you s- yeah. <laughs> Tell him I said hi. He's like, who the hell is this talking to me? Yeah, but you're back, man. You're back. Okay, good. Okay. Now, you've wrenched for everybody, but um, if you could pick any rider in the past, any rider in the past that you could have wrenched for that you didn't, who would it be? Wow. In the past. In the past. I think I think everybody wants to have worked, especially being British, you want to have worked with Barry Sheen at some point. Okay. Just to witness that that era, yeah. one thing. And and everything that he did. And and he changed the game completely. Yeah. Uh, and that was an era when you were riding they, they, those boys were racing three, four times a week. You know, they were they were they were literally racing midweek or they were traveling somewhere else. They raced every single weekend from world championship to European championship to British championship to one off rounds, which we don't see anymore. I saw a little bit of it when I was a kid. Uh, but now you don't really get that anymore. And I would have loved to have been alive in that era and seen a little bit of that. Okay. Where you you just race all over the world at every different circuits that are now long gone. I think that would have been the simplicity of it. That would have been an era that I would have, I would love to have been around in. But likes of the likes of Barry, you know, uh, Robert Senior, and you know, uh, Agostini, and oh my God, yes, a different era. And you see all the the innovations that came along, leathers, how they changed, knee sliders, yeah. and all this kind of thing that didn't exist until well late seventies. Uh, even when I was a kid, the knee sliders was a new thing. Everybody used to pack up like gaffer tape and wrap it around their <laughs> knees, and it was a whole new thing. Um, that's kind of—I would love to have been around back then and seen, even seen some of the circuits that are now long gone. So Barry Sheen. Uh, so Barry Sheen. You saying Barry Sheen? If it was somebody that I, I would go and do the worlds, and he did the roads, and he did a bit of everything. Yeah. 
bullshit. And probably Joey Dunlap. If you go back to the road, <sighs> probably everybody wants to have worked or seen or been around Joey at some point. I remember him as a kid when I was little. Yeah. Because he was on the scene when I was really, really young. And I met him numerous times. I was tiny, but I was like between the ages of four and about eight. Uh, but it was again. It was that era when I, like I said before, when it was kind of the norm, and I didn't know any different. Yeah. And we kind of grew up around Eddie Lawson. Oh yes. The British rounds and the European rounds. So we had Lawson and Spencer and Gardner and yes. all this. Yes. Yes. And I didn't know any different. I had I had no idea. There was Steve Webster, who was a sidecar, multiple world sidecar champion by the time he retired. Uh, if I if I cleaned his outfit for him, polished all the outfit, he gave me a burger. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like now, you would never imagine getting that close. You know, walk into Ross's garage and there's like some <laughs> six-year-old back. I'll give him a burger, he'll clean the bodywork. That don't happen anymore. And that's the kind of thing we were doing, you know. That's it, beautiful. That's beautiful. Amazing. Okay, so what rider present time that you would love you know you love work Kyle not included but let's just say in either GP or WSBK what rider would you love to work for if you had to pick now um I do and I've, I've met him numerous times uh, Jonathan Ray is an enigma yes we I talked about like, this and I've spent quite a lot of time around Jonathan and but I would love to have worked for him because he is, I do believe he's probably one of the best riders the UK has ever produced, never to be a full-time Grand Prix rider. Um, he he genuinely is the complete package. Um, I mean, I know Honda dangled a carrot in front of him for a long time and he got a couple of one-off rides. Yeah. But then Kawasaki, I, I, I remember saying at the time, and it crops up on Facebook memories every now and again, now he's on a proper bike. You ain't going to see where this kid goes. And he has not lost a world title since. Yes. Uh, he he really is the complete package. And I would love to have worked for him. And then even in Grand Prix, there's, there's like, everybody wants to have worked with Rossi at some point. It would, would have been lovely. Maybe not even now. Maybe a few years ago. Maybe in that transition period between sort of the 500s and the, 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 the MotoGP bikes as we know them now. Right. As period was coming in because it was so exciting and new and everything was being tested and everything was new yeah and it was like right up there with the top and i think i would like to work for him back then but yeah oh my god there's so many when your brain starts ticking over you kind of go oh i would like to work for him as well. i love watching you know what i knew i hit something right i saw your your eyes got wider when i mentioned it right presently and your eyes got wide I go I, I hit something right there i love that good for you but we talked about johnny ray and to be honest it's a weird thing to say, but for some reason, it I have a sense of, I don't know what the word is, uh, emptiness, because Johnny Ray didn't get a proper uh, chance in GP. You know, they when he, when Rossi was riding with the uh, with the Ducati, and I remember I think it was somebody got hurt, and they let Jonathan Ray come in, and he had I think he got like sixth, I think that weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he had a great. And, and that hurts me more than anybody. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. For some reason, I don't know why, but I feel a kinship to Johnny Ray. Here's as much of a dork I am. It was his son's birthday today, Tyler. And I, yeah. and I, and I said, happy birthday, Tyler. And I, and I said, like, on, on Johnny Ray's <laughs> Instagram, happy birthday, Tyler. Like, he knows who I am. And that's just how a dork. <laughs> I said, happy birthday, Tyler. Like, daddy, who is this dude? <laughs> and that's just who I am. <laughs> who is this guy? 
He's another guy, though. He's one of those people that's an, an, another big family man. It means everything to the family and all the rest of it. And his dad was a big racer and so on and so forth. It kind of it, it kind of helps you warm to them right. as a package. Kind of go. It means something to everybody in his family that, that they do what they do and, and they support him in what he does. And what? again, with and then Kyle now with the Wyman family, they all go racing. The three brothers all race in yeah. North America. Well, you know, it, it makes it, and it reminds me of when I was young. You know, when you don't just have like it happens all too often now. You have wealthy families, and the one kid kind of wants to go racing, so the dad pays for them to go racing to get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to go racing. He won't shut up. Just give him a few hundred thousand dollars and get him out. Of well, that that kind of that happens a lot these days because racing is so expensive. Yeah, yeah. So to be involved with the family teams, when you see the whole family driving behind them, it kind of means a bit more. And it reminds me of when I was young. When when you went racing, the whole family went, like we did. You know, it was a guy called Chris Martin in the 80s, and my dad was a mechanic in four with the 500s. So there was Chris, his then wife, their dog, his dad, and then there was me, my brother, my mum, my dad. This was the family that we used to go around in. And the, also the Fogarty family. We all ran out of Blackburn in uh, in Lancashire in England. And the Fogarty family used to be with us a lot as well. That's just going back when Carl was riding the Alphabet Glade 125s and 250s. You're talking mid-80s. Oh, my God. We used to travel together. And we had, I remember once, it was, a, it was the British Grand Prix. I think it was 86. It's the famous one where Alan Carter crashed leading and punched the, uh, the marshal. Why, why did he punch him? Why did he punch him? Because it, it was raining. He picked the bike up, wanting to go again, and the marshal was trying to take the bike off him, so he just punched the marshal. <laughs> <laughs> he <laughs> punched the marshal? Get off my bike! I can still ride it! And it was, it was raining so hard that weekend. George Fogarty, he was a racer in his own right, quite famous for getting between Sheen and Roberts at the Grand Prix, actually. Um, but they... He, he said, you're not staying in a tent this weekend because the rain was so bad that weekend. And he drove all the way back to Blackburn, picked up his caravan and brought the caravan all the way back to Silverstone for us. It's like two and a half hundred miles there. All the way back to Silverstone for us and lent us their family caravan for the weekend. And he said, I, we, me and my brother had bunk beds for the first time in this caravan. He said, well, you can have the top or the bottom. He said, the bottom bunk is Carl's because if he has a top bunk, he falls off. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is great. Do, do, do you miss those times? Do you miss them? Yeah, I think it's something that there is missing now a little bit in racing. That real everybody clubs together. That's another reason why I still like the roads. Yeah. Everybody together and works together. And it does remind me of those times when I was young. Oh, uh, you know, when you had everybody working for one common cause, just to go racing and enjoy yourself. That's beautiful. Honestly, that's be you know what's great about this. I mean, we're out of town now, and I didn't even get to the part I wanted to get to. You know how you, how you met your lovely wife and and this and that, and I know she's probably watching because she's your PR manager. <laughs> I know. That's why you're on your P's and Q's. That's why you're on your P's and Q's. I was, I was telling my producer, I said we went, we went to eat what two or three weeks ago. And I think yeah. it took us about an hour and a half because we're talking. The waitress comes like two or three times. And obviously, it starts off she's nice to me, but then I end up pissing her off like I always do and <laughs> with the servers. And you go, I don't think she likes you. I go, yeah, I know. I, I tend to do that. <laughs> so it took us like an hour and a half to have a great lunch. And all we did was talk 
racing and bikes and it was the greatest lunch ever and i even bought you chocolates and then and then your wife goes is there something you're not telling me about <laughs> i bought a grown man chocolates for his trip back home and i go here you go hey have a good trip and i handed you the chocolates like, like you're a girl i go <laughs> but in my defense at least they weren't chocolate covered strawberries they weren't chocolate yeah. covered strawberries they were just chocolates so but still yeah that was awesome, man. It was awesome. I, I, lo I love it. I love it because we can have the conversations about all kinds of aspects of racing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I, I try to open this up for people who aren't, you know, in that circle so they can, you know, have that peek in. But it just turns out that I just I didn't want it to be two geeks like us just talking racing. I could hear this all day. But one last question before we get out of here. In five years from now, five years from now, where do you want to be? 2025, what do you want to be doing? Where do you want to be? like to have been knocking on the door of maybe a u.s title would be really nice okay uh, um a little bit of me is kind of thinking i'd like to be able to slow down a little bit and enjoy a little bit more of racing and maybe riding a little bit again more myself just to because i've done a lot over the over the years right kind of like maybe take a step back into something else and maybe being able to look into it a little bit more and not be so much in it well, sometimes I think you miss some things when you're in it so much. Right. I, doing something, maybe I can look into it a little bit more, you know, and, and kind of have a bit more of an overall view of something. I don't know. I don't know. Racing is one of those things in life where you never know where it's going to take it. I mean, prime example, you know, racing has not only given me sort of a life for the last however many years, but it's given me my wife move to America is giving me you. <laughs> it's such a big, diverse thing. It, it, it can take you anywhere in the world. And all those people, when I was going back to when I was young, when you kind of realize that you're a bit different. Yeah. When everybody was going to the pub or going to a beach or getting drunk and I was going road racing and right. all the rest of it. So drunk, we're going road racing. <laughs> uh, it's kind of all these little bits of things that piece together a life. And yeah, I think, it's there's nothing quite like it in the world there's nothing quite like it in the world for all the places and people you meet and directions that can take you it's you never really know you can have hopes yeah and but you never really know where it's going to steer you you just don't ever know oh that's beautiful one word answer one word answer okay racing is blank to you life Ah, I knew that was coming. I kind of figured, but yeah, man. Yeah, that is beautiful, man. I mean that from the bottom. I knew it was going to be fun, though. I knew it was. And I'm glad, you know, I'm glad somebody gave me a little, a little, uh, <laughs> a little heads up about the child protective services coming to the oh, house. Yeah. Yeah. My mom and dad still talk about that even now. Yeah. I love it, man. And you gave me the greatest vacation of my life, so. Oh man, it's when you go to hospital and you're eight years old, you're in plaster, you're going to need surgery, and your little brother's next to you and he's in plaster. Same arm, everything. Yeah, you know how it is. Dave, man, I appreciate you, just, uh, the time, and your wonderful PR person, uh, Carla. I mean it from the bottom of my heart, man. Thank you for the time for this. I mean, and next year, man, I, good luck with Kyle. I hope he takes the damn title. I mean that, brother. I love you, man. Man, I look forward to, you know what? Maybe this summer, if it be a little break, I might ride out to Delaware with with, 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 with Big Red and we'll take a little ride, you know? I think, you know this is my old girl here. This is the 86 Suzuki. Oh. Belongs to my Jeff Wright. Oh, but my she's 
she's all prepped. She's ready to go. So anytime you're around, man, we need to go riding. Oh my! You know what? I tell you what, we'll meet in the middle, New Jersey, uh, the Jersey Park. I'll come back for another track day, and you go there and you be my coach, and you be my coach. I'm gonna put a knee down. I'm gonna put a knee down, and. You- and you're going to give me that pep talk. You're going to grab me by the helmet and go, listen, you're not getting the most out of this bike. <laughs> I look forward to my man. Thank you so much, Dave. I appreciate you, brother. Love you. Thank you, everybody, for watching Tales from the Gemini. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Look forward to it. Hit me up on my DMs for any guests you want to see me have on. And thank you guys for watching. And like I say around this time after it's all over, you know the word. Bye.